<laughs> I thought I'd give my government, you know, just in case. Yeah, like your 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 legal your full legal. Name. Like, do you know what? Forget this. I can't bother. Let's just do it. I can't be honest. Let's just whatever happens happens. Um, yeah, I do have a new drag name though. Do you want to hear it? Please, Stella Virgin. I mean, cab. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children and no genders, guys, gals and non-binary pals, welcome to Driving You Homo, the radio show, podcast, YouTube extravaganza, where we delve into everything within the queer sphere that you need to hear. So, let's get started. As always, I'm Wayne Carter, cabaret burlesque comedian, radio presenter, and all-round <gasps> drag shambles. And today, I'm joined in the studio by the talented, beautiful cabaret starlet on the rise, is Raheem B. Payne-Mir. Hey doll, how are you? Fine, how are you? I mean, I love that hand choreography doll. It is a movement, it's a journey. <laughs> He's like, I will move my hand in this direction. I will move it in this direction. How are you? How are you, doll? How are you feeling? How's I'm life? Good. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm currently back home in Dorset, which is very, very nice. Dorset? I, uh, Land of yeah, mice? But. Yeah. Is there such a, okay, okay, the only thing I know about Dorset, and this is probably not even a thing, is there a type of mouse called a Dorset mouse? There I, is a Dorset mouse. Yeah. Okay, that's the, literally the only thing I know about Dorset. Can we're you... We're good for, we're good for uh, cider. Ooh. Sheep, cider. cider and mice. I mean, that's my, my weekend is made. I mean, that's my top three, I don't know about you, but um, yeah, yeah, so it's nice, it's nice to be home and it's nice to be sort of with everyone and like see everyone and just be surrounded by greenery and fields and it's just nice. That, as someone based in central London who grew up on a sheep farm in central Australia, I can support the missing the greenery moment and missing the space to be able to move and flow um so raheem we have known each other for upwards of minutes now um because we we met a couple of maybe a couple of weeks ago during <laughs> be, be, uh, after a second uh, after a first lockdown and before a second lockdown we met at a, a drag or cabaret gig uh, at the post bar in tottenham and okay. you were phenomenal on stage and i looked at you instantly and i went i need to be friends with this shambles of human um i appreciate them and i validate them as everything that they're doing um can you explain to the three uber drivers that are currently listening what you do on stage what what is this is this too much for you is it triggered too- yeah go on <laughs> um can you can you explain what you do on stage and why people shouldn't invest in you as a human absolutely so um on stage i started off um as I think every sort of stage theatre kid did and did sort of, you know, ballet, contemporary and jazz and musical theatre and stuff like that. Um, That kind of took me into a different space of classical Indian dance. And then I went into that as a form, um, did a lot of Punjabi folk dance. I did like Bhangra, did Giddha, did um, 
did Bollywood as not as a rite of passage, but just because people would push you onto the stage and be like, dance. And we'd be like, okay, sorry. Um, which was fun actually, uh, back in the nineties when people used to um, bless you by giving you money whilst you danced. Nice. A little bit whore, but I didn't mind. Um, so yeah, and I think that's what stemmed me to become a whore on stage. Um, so I, Basically now, um, so as I went through like university and did like a lot of performances, I decided to really focus on the idea of gender and performance um, because I thought it was really important to sort of acknowledge the form in all of its glory. And I think mm. especially in classical dance when you have to completely merge who you are as a performer and who you are as a character, you know, for like in a cycle of 16, there'll be four beats of you doing you know, being a female, four beats of you being a male, four beats of you being a frog, four beats of you being a tree, like, there's, like, loads of different things, and you always have to, like, be malleable, you know? Yeah. Um, now, coming on stage, I think I started doing drag. Okay, um, inverted commas, yeah. Yeah, because, well, I mean, when I first started sort of performing in, like, the club scene, I didn't have a beard, I wore wigs, I did, you know, full face and did that whole thing, mm -hmm. um, added body, and I was really like into it, but then I thought this doesn't challenge anything. Like I, I still feel like who I am, but at the same time, I don't feel yeah. like myself. And then it wasn't until I did a performance for um, a queer artist, uh, Leah Kalyan, when I represented them in their space and performed a classical Indian dance piece with makeup on, but with, you know, a, like a slight beard that mm -hmm. I kind of thought, okay, this is more interesting because this is really challenging the idea of gender yeah. and to show that we are all fluid in all of our natures, be they our everyday state or our superlative state. So that was something that was like really important for me. And I think growing up, I've always been sort of very androgynous in my state anyway, Yeah, um, which has been obviously incredible to have been able to explore. So now on stage, I think I am the bearded beauty um that comes out on stage and gives you full face glamour glitter everything um i mean you're not wrong you're not wrong no with a good full beard angled you know and done all of that and then i do so i now perform sort of your typical sort of lip syncs and like choreography because i'm a dancer um so i dance along with it but then i've also done stand-up i've done some comedy i've done um contemporary performances where i sort of merged the two together which is really really fun and interesting mm. um so that's basically what i do on stage that's how i bring, bring my glory to everyone is just by being a heightened version an extended version of yeah. myself and being really. un un being unapologetically yourself and what that, what that means to you you have to be because i think we as performers, especially as drag performers, we show what true authenticity is. Mm. And I think we take our natures and aspects of who we are and put them onto stage yeah. in order for somebody to laugh with us and be with us on the journey. But it also kind of inadvertently helps a lot of people by allowing them to go, okay, if you can do it, then maybe I can too. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I decided to, I didn't really know what to wear today. So I just put some mascara on and a little bit of eyeliner, just that one step for them. Yeah. To then also us looking like this, it's sort of like, yeah, cool. We can get there. I mean, I had a shower. It was glorious. Like everyone goes on their own journey. That's, that's. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I mean, it all starts with cleanliness and hygiene. I mean, that's the tea. That's the tea. Now, I so what I really enjoy about your performances, and there are a few people that I've seen in the London queer POC, specifically South Asian. Um, there's maybe only I've only seen a handful, maybe four or five people that have done this, but I know there's probably going to be more people that do this. Is the the connection between your uk or british identity versus your south asian identity and what it means to be from two places in the world and maybe sometimes they connect very closely and sometimes they're very separate and what i enjoy seeing you do on stage is that you because you're from these two cultural groups you're able to join them together on stage do you think or i guess my question is why do you do this or why is it important to do this? Well, I come from um, a mixed heritage background anyway. Mm -hmm. So I come from a dual faith and a dual heritage background. So I think that that's important to convey on stage. And I think we as British South Asians also come from this mixed culture where sometimes, you know, you're either not English enough or not brown enough. You know, it's that typical cliche yeah. of, where do you, you know, sort of belong? I mean, we are in Dorset right now, which has to be possibly one of the most Caucasian places in the world. I mean, uh, this village is very Caucasian, um, but we grew up in a mixed family, you mm. know? Um, so for me, it was about bringing those two cultures together on stage. It just made sense because um, me on stage is an extension of who I am. So I'm going to be showing you my english heritage but then i also show you my south asian heritage mm -hmm. um and it's important for people to see that it's important for people to also not only do it for you know the caucasian crowds or the other people but also the people of color yeah who have grown up in environments where they may not be deemed to be enough of one yeah so that's what's really important to me and that's why i do that on stage no i for i fully i fully appreciate that and respect that because um as someone who comes from uh, a very small australian community um not getting to see representation in all of its forms was almost impossible um but uh then when i moved to london i was like thrust into like multiple cultures and it was for me a learning experience to go like okay this person is from this place but also from this place or this person that represents or identifies as this and it's it's really interesting to see how everything sort of connects and and crosses over and for me and i think you said this before is that like as performers we need to uh convey these things on stage so it's a maybe an easier transition for people who aren't performers to go, oh, okay, they're South Asian, they're doing, let's say, a Bhangra dance. I don't know what Bhangra is, but I can appreciate that this is classically or a classical Indian dance style, and you sort of go on that journey with them. Um, but then also you throw in your, your, you know, English or a westernized music as well to sort of um, compare and contrast, I guess, and just say that, like you said, there's duality. Yeah, there is definitely duality. And I think all of it's very much interlinked with each other and interlocked with each other. I mean, it, there's no difference from the energy that you would bring in a folk form in mm -hmm. the Punjab or, you know, in 
like a classical Indian dance, you would bring the same amount of energy to that and performance quality than you would to a lip sync to Cardi B. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, they're both on the same trajectory and yeah. they're both parallel to each other, in my opinion. Yeah. So, like, I'm never ever just going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it like this, I'm going to do it like this. No, you know, it's important to show both sides. And sometimes it's even more fun to go in a cabaret space where they have no idea of classical Indian dance and to just do a pure piece yeah. of classical dance and everyone's like whoa hang on and you know usually obviously in cabaret and we as performers and I'm sure you can vouch for this you use the audience to feed off for energy mm -hmm. right so yeah you hear them go woo and laugh and clap and that sort of thing that shows you that they're into it sometimes when I've done classical Indian dance performances I'm like feeling like really in it and I'm like feeling I'm really like going for it yeah but then it'll be like pin drop silence and you're like, oh my God, they hate me. Oh no, yeah. this is so awkward. But then afterwards they go, we just didn't know if we were allowed to clap. <laughs> I've had that so many times. I've had that, yeah. I've, I've, I've done, I've done stand-up routines in a mainstream stand-up club. So not a queer, queer venue, not a queer space. Um, so just a mainstream, whatever that means, um, venue. I'm doing my, my gay nonsense, talking about queer stuff and they're completely silent and they're like oh yeah we thought you were hilarious we just didn't want to yeah. laugh and i'm like you didn't want to laugh at a comic like what what yeah, is this exactly. so uh, i think i think there are moments um and maybe actually i i think this could be a little bit of maybe and you can tell me i'm wrong is that sort of mild snowflake generation where some people in especially comedy um uh, and maybe um because of um the heightened global world that we're living in right now is that we're hyper vigilant and we have to go okay this person identifies as something other to other than what i am and or is not part of the majority therefore i have to be 100% respectful all the time and so when someone is making fun of or taking light of but they're in that community so let's use me yeah. as an example me being a queer person going into a mainstream quote-unquote venue or space and going I'm queer blah look at me blah and like making fun of myself I think some mm -hmm. people sometimes can go like oh are we allowed to laugh at this moment or are we allowed to um make fun of them and it's a weird and for me this is and please do tell me i'm stupid if i am but this is something as an australian and i think many australians will feel that struggle internal struggle because we are a as an australian we're a take take the piss have a have a laugh kind of like that lad quote unquote culture so mm -hmm. when we're told that we're not allowed to do something or say something then we are instantly like going okay why so um do you think because you said you were a stand-up as well and so i'm i'm the, i'm in a similar position to you in that you're a hundred percent about your representation and you're a hundred percent about like bringing your identity and your cultures to the forefront and going like this is who i am this is how i present this is what i'm doing i want you to see this and i want you to be um educated on what it means to be me um, but then you said as a stand-up comedian, sometimes, and this is my duality in terms of um, being the educated, very like hypervigilant sort of snowflakey performer and being like, these are my, these are my serious pieces and then going, 
but here's the comedy as well. And sometimes yeah. they don't always connect. Is do you do you struggle with that? Because I know you said you or I've seen you be funny on stage. Do do you find it difficult to navigate the serious versus the comedy? Is that tricky? I think, I mean, one prime example of that is um, I did a festival. Mm. God, it must have been last year now. Um, although time is such a flipping... I mean, this year isn't a year. Let's say this year is not a yeah, year. Uh, so it was last year and um, it was called the Outrageous Festival. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine, Joe. Um, they approached me and asked me to be a part of it. And I said, absolutely. So I went in and I was like, okay, I want to do something different. Like I want to be as outrageous as, you know, yeah. I can sort of thing. Um, so I started it off with a stand-up routine, which then went into a classical Indian dance piece. Mm. Like, and it was a beautiful classical Indian dance piece. It was all about like longing and waiting and wanting to be loved. Um, but the piece before it, had um, jokes about um, still being a virgin, um, not being able to, you know, be in a relationship with somebody, but then also took dark turns um, in the comedy where I spoke about assault and I spoke about, um, you know, trigger warning here, I should really say, it was about assault, it was about um, yeah. like forceful acts of, you know, a sexual nature and, um, people kind of laughed because but, of the delivery, yeah. but then didn't really know if they should laugh, yeah. right? So that's, aside from me now presenting as a, a queer POC, yeah. I'm now also talking about, so it's sort of like, you see that I've just done something. I started off very sort of classical Indian, if you will. Yeah. And now I sort of, um, you know, my sort of angle was, I've given you that. You can already see that I'm, a queer POC. I don't need to give you that. So I'm going to talk to you about things that you know. Yeah. I think it affect us all. Yeah. Because there is no boundary here. There is no um there is no um barrier between the two of us. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what colour my skin is or what colour your skin is, how I've been brought up or how you've been brought up. We we've all been exposed to the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where I take my comedy. I haven't done it in a while, I'll be honest. Um well be funny. No, I'm I'm constantly funny. That's never <laughs> enough. But um, I mean, I've never like, I haven't like gone out there and done any sort of stand-up-ish sort of stuff. Yeah. The thing I might say on stage, usually when I present my pieces, yes, can be seen as stand-up, but that's also just me. Just you being you. About, yeah, just talking yeah. about the piece and just kind of literally like, I've always said that I pride myself on never changing really who I am from stage to off stage in terms of what I say. My yeah. character, I obviously, I'm not constantly like, da, 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 like all the yeah. time. Um, but a lot of the time, what I say, I will say on, like I will say on the phone to like my best friends. So I've yeah. always wanted people to like come to shows that I'm in and I speak about real things, you know, yeah. that I literally must've spoken about with someone but an hour ago before the show. I mean, that's the time. Yeah, and I think that that's something that I sort of pride myself on as well, is that, like I say, like, it should never change. We as, like, you know, comedians or cabaret performers, I don't mean, I don't consider myself a comedian, but, like, you know, as cabaret artists and multidisciplinary artists, we do 
loads of different things and people should see us in all those things oh, yeah. should never be oh, that's really like no that someone should turn around i want someone to nudge someone next to them and go raheem just told me that story mm. like literally yesterday and now he's talking about like do you know what i mean so for me i think it's really important when we go on stage and do things when it comes to like comedy and stuff like that to just go out there and do it because yeah. we are the is that are going out there to show people it's okay to laugh sometimes because mm -hmm. I'm also laughing at it yeah. you know I still laugh at the fact that I am still a virgin even though you know it hurts and it's sort of like you know but we, but we laugh about it and we joke about it yeah you know and like when we did the drag brunch yeah and Viv said um how do you get that body? And I go, you know, hours of work and just a lot of excess water weight. So I cry yeah. myself to sleep and I tend to ejaculate a lot. Let's yeah. not say that. Yeah. Say that? Well, you've said it and it's, it's fine. It's fine. Years of loneliness. I didn't say anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we laugh and joke about these things because, like, it's funny. Mm. And we as performers, especially as queer performers, especially as performers that perform in you know, drag-like manners, mm. we can take it to that level. Yeah, and then bring people to that level. I have I have a uh, a news question that happened recently. Do you do you watch or are you aware of Saturday night Saturday Night Live? Because yeah. this week or last week, I can't remember when it was, a couple a couple of weeks ago, Dave Chappelle hosted the Saturday Night Live. Do you know this story where I'm going with this, or have you not heard of this story yet? I think so. Okay. No, it's okay. Um, so what happened was he did his spiel, he did his speech. He's a really talented performer. He recently won the Mark Twain American Comedy um, Life Achievement Award for 2020. So, like, he's great at what he does. But I felt some of the things that he said on stage during his monologue for Saturday Night Live were a little bit maybe problematic. And the reason I say problematic is, and again, trigger warning um, for this, is that he mentioned um, Freddie Mercury having, in his comedy routine, he mentioned Freddie Mercury having uh, AIDS and having died of AIDS, but did it in sort of a humorous, quote unquote, uh, way to compare that to i think it was donald trump getting coronavirus and going like are we surprised like how do people not know kind of thing and for me as a queer person that kind of took me back and it kind of shocked me a little bit um did you see this situation or am i telling you new information is this something no this one actually yeah so like it was only like a 15 second snippet um i'll have to send you the link later but my my question is, I guess, as a performer or as someone who is maybe intentionally or unintentionally funny on stage just because of your personality type, um, do you think there is anything taboo on stage? Like, can anyone do anything they want or are there maybe some restrictions to what people can say and do on stage? I think that you have different types of comics mm -hmm. right you have different types of um comedians and performers you have 
insult comics, you have one-liners, you have um, roast battles, you know, you've got all different types of comics who like will do just like slapdash humor, slapstick humor. Like, I don't. You've think... seen you've seen my comedy. Oh no. Yeah, um, and then you have beginners, um, but then you know you. I don't. I don't. I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can say that there's a limit or there's a boundary um, because everyone's art form is there to do exactly that, is mm-hmm. to push that boundary. Yeah. Um, some, like a lot of people have said to me, well, why do you, I mean, you look incredible and you perform, you know, beautifully as any other woman would, but why have you got a beard? Yeah, tape. What's the problem? Yeah. So it doesn't matter what we do and what anybody says, it's going to offend someone. Oh, but I mean, that's the thing. It's good to like just go out there and say something that's completely ludicrous, I think. Yeah. Um, I love that sort of humor because I think that it really does kind of make you go, oh my God, did you just say that? Mm-hmm. But the confidence that someone can come out there and be like, yeah, this is what happened, and blah, 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 da, 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 da. I think is what is really, um, you know. I I agree with you. I fu- and this is the duality between the me as an Australian and that style of comedy is a very Australian way of thinking. But then also the English or UK sort of identity of like being a little bit more respectful and being a bit more reserved. This is a, a stereotype, obviously, but that when moving from Australia to the UK, there was a clear difference between those two identities. And what I will say, or what I will, I will ask the question is, because I kind of agree is that there is, with maybe some exceptions, there is no holds bar to what you can do on stage. There is, it's all about context and it's all about how you are presenting the piece to the world. And if you are doing it with, um, what's the word, is it reverence? If you're doing it with like good intentions and not ill intentions. Um, so like a prime example is when Adele wore the Jamaican bra yeah. as a um, Jamaican flag as a bra for Carnival. You can look back in her history because she was to, like, people were like, is this cultural appropriation or cultural appreciation? And people are going, well, actually, look back in her history, look at her past, look at who she works with and who she um, values and respects and loves and go, like, actually, she's she's just wearing this because she wants to and because she's friends with these people and she's supporting a culture that she's connected to closely. Yeah. So even though she doesn't present as a POC, so, and that's fine. Whereas my then question for in the obviously because you haven't seen the routine that dave Chappelle does is he doesn't right. he doesn't identify as or my understanding um he does not identify as queer even though he jokingly said during his mark twain spe- speech he's like oh i'm gay now because he said that being gay and he didn't say this word for word but he, the, the implication was that a lot of famous people are coming out as gay right now because it's a new trend. And so he's like, oh, in his Mark Twain, he's like, oh, I'm going to be gay now so I can get more clout. Um, so I don't know if he identifies as, as queer or gay, but someone outside of your community or outside of a community making fun of that community, that's sort of where I go. I don't know if I'm okay with that. So like, so you said that there are no 
you, there are no holes, there are no rules when it comes to being on stage. You can perform however you want to perform, you can do whatever you want to do. But then my question would be again, similar similar question to the first one, is that if I came on stage and started talking about African-American culture um, and making fun of African-American culture, or if I started talking about South Asian culture and making fun of South Asian culture, would that be acceptable as someone who is um, a a white person so i don't i don't think that people would deem it acceptable yeah. um i don't think people would take kindly to it simply because of history yeah um, and i think that with especially with the repression that so many people of color have mm. experienced through ancestry and so on and so forth i think that it would be a very very poor choice for yeah. somebody to do so um would I personally um, find it insulting if the comedy was bad? Yeah, then I would. Yeah. Um, because I think that there are certain things that you can say um, that you can, for use of a better term, get away with. Yeah. But I do think that um, it's a very touchy subject and we shouldn't necessarily touch each other's cultures, especially, well, rather just touching subjects that we don't know about. Yeah. Um, to a full extent. However, if you were a Caucasian person that um, had grown up in a very, very, you know, say South Asian area and all you knew was that culture, then who's to stop you from doing so? Yeah. You know, like I know that growing up in this environment, I know I have a lot of Caucasian tendencies yeah. in comparison to some of my South Asian friends or like, you know, my friends that are of, of color. So like there are certain aspects of me that some people go, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it's sort of like, oh, okay, I'd, is it? That's just what I do. You know, yeah. I get told they nachos. I mean, I mean, okay, that's a choice you've made. Uh, yeah, I'm like, oh god, I really have some nachos, and they're like, what's that? And I'm like, nachos, and they're like, say it again. And I'm like, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. Like, I'm an English graduate, I know what I'm saying. And they're like, for him, it's nachos, and I was like, no, it's not as nachos. Oh, I don't even get me started on like pronunciation of things. Hello. So, but it's like little things like that. Like, obviously, that's quite trivial. But like, I I have um, some of my best. You know, it's not. I hate this phrase. But it's like, you know, when somebody, I don't think you can trivialize it by turning around and saying, oh, I have a, I have a black friend. Yeah. I'm an Asian friend. Yeah. But if you yourself, for, like, let's take you, for example, Wayne, have grown up in, you know, the Gujarat, for example. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. And you grew up in that environment. Yeah. All you would know was Is that, that culture. Yeah. But so I think it really does depend on how much you respect the culture and where you're from. Yeah. I think that's what makes the difference. Yeah. And like, like I said before, like it's the, the, the difference between cultural appropriate, cultural appropriation, cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. And I was talking to, um, another talented performer slash artist slash, uh, I want to say couturier, um, uh, that we are friends with, whose name completely blanks me. I can remember their drag name, which is uh, Bindia. 
Oh, Ruben. Ruben, thank you. That's such a struggle when like everyone has more than one name. I was like, oh yes, I'm gonna give you three or four names as a performer. Yeah, that's why I perform with my actual name because I was like, if anyone's gonna know me, they're gonna know me. Yeah, like, that's my brand. Yeah. I mean, that's the tea. Um, so. Ruben slash Bindia, I was talking to them about cultural appropriation and appreciation. And I was talking about how I have a deep love for South Asian culture and South Asian um, art. And as a performer, I um, like I was watching You Beautiful Humans on stage performing and I went, I'm living for these moments. I'm living for everything they're doing. But also I was looking at uh, Bindia's costuming and I was like, I want to wear some of this stuff. And I guess for you individually, my question would be, um, would you find it offensive or would you find it disrespectful if someone, myself or someone like me or presents like me, wore something that was a traditional South Asian uh, costume or outfit or style of dress? Would it be disrespectful, do you think? In performing, you mean? Well, performing or just like living. So like I... I have I have a dress that I wear that is, it's Indigenous Australian slash South Asian inspired. I don't know if it is like a, it's like a sari, but like, so I wear it quite often. And I, every time I wear it, I always think about um, representation. And I always think about like, is it disrespectful for me to be wearing this um, because I am not enthrusted into this community, even though um, I spend time, I have multiple, like you said, the trip, like that stupid sentence that people say, like, oh, I have an Asian friend, therefore it's okay. Like, do you find that people who wear traditional outfits or traditional costuming or traditional dress on stage or off stage, do you think it's, because like... So it's a very interesting question because mm. I think that um, what's really funny is that people do seem to have and rightfully so, have qualms with yeah. people doing so. However, when there are weddings yeah. or events or parties within your own social circles, yeah. people scream and jump for the chance to dress their white friend, to dress their you know, African-American friend, to dress their uh, East Asian, Pan-Asian friend, to dress all of these people within the same clothing. Yeah. So then you kind of think, okay, so then what's the problem? Yeah. My father's English, right? Yeah. And we've never, not to my knowledge, have ever dressed him in like say a kurta pajama, but we wouldn't be opposed to doing so. Mm. Again, we I dressing exactly how they wanted us to dress. Yeah. I think like performing as in that attire to something that may be seen as something that is culturally specific mm -hmm. so if it's with the performance and everything and if the person presents in a different way but then has dressed in this sort of cultural way then yeah i think that's an issue yeah um, because it's not yours potentially to be claiming but then i guess somebody could say well then we all can't do certain songs or certain acts or certain this is that and the other because that's not our culture yeah but then i think it's different because i think when it comes to items of clothing 
makeup styles, uh, you know, jewelry, that sort of thing. Yes, it's incredible. And yes, I jump at the chance for people to do it because I think that it is, um, I think it's really exciting for people to have that, you know. Mm. However, what I don't like is when people adorn themselves in things or present themselves in a certain way, but haven't got the education to back it up. So if you are going to be doing that, if you are going to be wearing something, if you are going to be looking a certain way, then educate yourself and know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it and why are you bringing it to this stage and why are you bringing it into this space? Yeah. You know? And and don't, don't, yeah, it's don't steal, don't take away from someone else who can actually do it better maybe. Um, and there's a lot of... knows it more, you know? Yeah. It knows it more. Yeah, if you want to learn about it, please do. Um, and no one will ever be upset that you're trying to learn something to do with another culture. Mm. However, do know that there will be repercussions. Like, I mean, I think that, so I'm part of a few collectives and there's a particular collective in, um, who are a family to me, really, the Bit and Peach Collective. A lot of them will have um you know heritage clothing and the prints and the silks from thailand to china to the philippines to you know anywhere else that i haven't mentioned um and i think god i would love to have but it's not my culture to be adorning yeah you know yeah and that's and yeah. that, so it, it's it's a tricky it's it's quite a complex conversation to have because we're talking about dave chappelle and his comedy and how we we kind of both agreed that it was okay and it was acceptable for him or people to say whatever they want um with within reason there's some obviously uh, situations and then with the cultural attire how it's maybe not acceptable but then it depends on the context and it depends on the individual so it is I think it's always so and this is the hardest part the trickiest part for me um in this sort of snowflake generation that we live in is that you want to be 100 percent respectful all the time obviously but there are moments where you're like i want to be respectful and i want to do the right thing and i want to be kind and generous and helpful but then also i want to have fun and i want to um enjoy maybe this person's culture and um yeah, it's it's a tricky one to wrap your head around the whole <laughs> the whole journey. It is, yeah, because I think that like especially I think when it comes to certain looks and mm. certain ideas, maybe think about that. Yeah. You know, think about the prints, think about the textures, the outfit that you've decided on, what it means. I think people just need to really educate themselves when it comes to things like this. Yeah. And I think that's what's most important yeah. i think if you approach this through a avenue of knowledge and intellect mm -hmm. then people respect that yeah and i think that's the day i think someone just coming in and just sort of been like look i'm going to do a bollywood routine or yeah i'm gonna do, you know a fan dance or i'm gonna do you know this is that and the other like no yeah like that doesn't work yeah also like if you want to like like you said, the collective bit and page, if you want to like see some like true um, South Asian, Pan Asian, uh, East Asian, um, like representation, like, oh my God, it's so good. Like, Very good. yeah, like I, I haven't, I 
too much time, all of the support and love for I all of you for humans. Thank you very yeah. much, my family. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Like, and I think what's really nice is that not a single person there, especially, is unapproachable. Yeah. If you had a question and you were just like, this is May- my son dumb maybe mahatma maybe mahatma (laughs) that girl is nothing if she's not jealous i mean (laughs) don't even i sent her i sent her pictures of my current looks from last night and the night before and she was she was uh speechless at my beauty absolutely she's incredible she's amazing um it's nice as well because if you just wanted to ask a question there's no such thing as a dumb question sometimes yeah. sort of like, okay no that's fine you it's i'm glad that people are asking because that's the knowledge and the intellect that we all need you mm-hmm. know speaking of knowledge and intellect and things that people need in the world uh currently i w- i was doing a quick google of things that are happening in the news and current events and i don't know if because you said you're a virgin or you you identify or all that journey. Uh, I identify as virgin. Okay, so um, uh, there is something in the world called porn, adult entertainment, and there was an Australian porn star, gay porn star, who's, or there was, there is a gay porn star whose name is Billy Santoro, and he, uh, a couple of months ago during the Black Lives Matter movement when it was sort of picking up steam and then started becoming a bit more globally noticed, um, Billy Santoro came out with a Facebook status update or a tweet um, saying that um, all these black saluting is disgusting, um, we should shoot first, ask questions later, which is understandably disgusting and uh, not something that should ever be written and I apologize if I've triggered anyone by saying that statement um, but uh, he's recently come out in the last couple of days or weeks um, saying that he apologizes for these statement or apologize for the statement and uh, uh, gave the reasoning or the justification that it was because he was taking a lot of meth so taking a lot of drugs at the time and it was the the Sorry. meth <laughs> please laugh away because i think it's um a, it, yeah. was a meth, it was a meth it was a meth induced tweet um he was racially insensitive because or racially discriminative discriminative yeah. because of the meth um which oh. do you have any thoughts feelings opinions about so my question is, am I... That is so tough. That yeah. is so stupid. That's so stupid. What all of a sudden now drugs make people racist. Shut up. You're so stupid. Carry on getting on you. I'm so done. He actually needs to be cancelled. Wow. Yeah. No, that doesn't make any sense. Sorry. No, no you I... That your racism was injected into you pardon the pun but it was injected into do you inject meth i don't know um and you do all of this business just because you were on drugs well do you know what baby boy the truth comes out when people are inebriated and intoxicated mm. and that's all she has to say on that and, and you're welcome yeah i just I mean, his pornography discography videography i don't know 
have they ever been intimate with people of color? That is a good question. And so I have not seen their filmography. So or no, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't perused their uh, their chosen field um, okay. because I, I because I, I am haven't. maybe like you, I'm a little bit more pure. Um, so. oh, I'm pure. I live on Snow White over here. Oh, is it? Oh, wow. Now yeah. we're Snow White. Are we talking about cultural appropriation? Wow. Right. Wow. Uh, I can't. No, I can't. If you prefer, <laughs> would you prefer that? So, okay, speaking of, um, we have talked about POC representation and I know um, we've been going on a bit of a journey with that and cultural appropriation and appreciation. Recently in America, um, there has been a presidential election and I don't know, I think they call it presidential elect. So they yeah. haven't currently, uh, as taping this or videoing or recording this episode, um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have not been inducted into the presidency, vice presidency, but it's looking very um, reasonable to assume that they will become uh, president and vice president. And something or another. Yeah, I don't know the phrasing and the terming. I apologize for that, but ugh, it's too many, too many, too many words and phrases. Um, but this is the first time a, a Kamala Harris, who is an African American, uh, mixed race, uh, is a Jamaican and Indian, I believe. I could be wrong. Um, a Jamaican Indian descent uh, woman being inducted into the vice presidency. Um, do you have thoughts, feelings, and opinions on this situation, this human? Um, I think I'm just happy that the both of them will be in office. Mm. Um, I think that they're destined to do big things and exciting things, and I think it's going to be a change for everyone. Um, yeah, that's it. I think. Well, I think it's it's going to be interesting. One thing I do want to stop though. What's that? Is everyone obsessing over Joe Biden when he was younger? Oh, like thirst trap moment. He doesn't look like that anymore, so I don't understand why we're all getting so excited. Well, I have a time travel device. Maybe we could like go back and see him. That man has been through a lot. Poor soul. He has actually really been through a lot. Like I, mean, I was watching um one of those, you know, those BBC clips. And I was like, wow, he's really been through a lot, losing his wife and daughters and then getting married and then illnesses and all this business. And I was like, wow. And everyone's like, God, he was so, they were like, yeah, but can we just take a minute to appreciate Biden when he was, when he was, yeah. the, yeah, was. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Biden doesn't look like that anymore. Biden could still be a daddy. I could still Google it. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. But yeah, I don't, another... I don't want what was, I want what is now. That's what I want. I mean, what's happening now? Yeah. Like, a... Who are you next to in the White House? Because that wasn't, that was Biden yeah. circa. But then did you, but did you see that, okay, so like, okay, so this is, I, I get what you're going with the whole Joe Biden, like back in the day, why are we fantasizing or fetishizing like this thirsty young human who isn't that human now? There is another one that came out with Kamala Harris back in the day where she looked like, she looked amazing as well. And so like, I get where you're coming from and like, we shouldn't be like, sort of like fetishizing. Okay, cool. Appreciate their beauty absolutely. Yeah, they had great moments, but yeah, 
Because that's how I felt about Kamala Harris. It's like, I'm not sexually attracted to women. I don't, that's not how my journey is. But like, when I saw that picture of her, I was like, <laughs> was like, oh, oh, baby, you look great. Yeah, Listen, I appreciate it, but I'm just like, cool. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's because you're, um, you identify as a virgin. Maybe that's. It's true. I think one of my uh, boxes that I always tick for funding is that I am a virgin. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if that was the thing? Arts Funding Council, can you please put that on? It's like, how do you identify? Do you identify as queer, gay, trans, LGBTI? Uh, Sorry, you're a virgin. Okay, carry on. Virgin. Unlovable. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, please. That's no, I'm sure there's someone in this world that loves you. Maybe somebody. I mean, Lily Snatchdragon, there's someone. I'm sure she loves you. Oh, no, no, no. People love me. I'm taking the piss. But um, I I was like, I don't love you because, like, yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm coming for the exposure. Um, So, yeah, like, I. The four four Uber drivers, thank you for your time. I'm not going to Uber Java. Yeah, no, it's you know, it's not about that. That's that's just me taking the piss. But yeah. like, yeah, no, I am. I am a virgin. It's fun, you know. Sometimes it's such a, like. Do you feel do you know like is the performance styles that I do? Yeah, are very sexualized. Are like, oh no, you're not. And I'm like, no, no, I am. But that's why I always keep a friend in the audience <laughs> so that they can turn around and be like, like I'm such, I'm about, that, like. I'm like yeah. So is can I ask it was that uh is that like a chosen thing is that sort of just as it just so happened that way are you open to sort of new experiences like what Yeah yeah what? as in I think that I've never really um been with someone long enough yeah um, to get to that stage for me it started off with like now I'm going to wait until I'm married yeah um, thinking that I would find the love of my life at like 18 or 19. Okay, that's the two. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, oh, I should do audio description. Yeah, it's like, oh, wait, wait, what's exactly. the time? Um, wait, check. No. Just watch. Um, so yeah, so it's very much that. Um, and then I was like, okay, I think I'm just ready to like just go out there and just greet everyone, you know, spread eagle um yeah and i just got scared <laughs> <laughs> i think no but i think that's the tea so like i think sort of when i first came out as gay or queer or like interested in men i was super nervous but like i don't think i would have done the things that i did or came out as queer if it wasn't for one person the first sexual experience i had with someone at a party who kind of led me into that situation so they they mm. took they took the lead and they went okay this is what's going to happen you're going to enjoy this moment it's going to be a thing and that's when i sort of went oh okay and that yeah. catalysted like, yeah 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 for me i think like there have been times where i'm like okay this is the guy like this is it um but then something always just goes wrong it's not them it's no it's not me it's them sorry it's definitely them um, <laughs> And then I went to therapy, um, and then I was like, hi, why do I hate men? Um, and we're slowly going through that now. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I think that it will happen. Yeah. Um, 
Do you, and you're more about the connection. My sexual energy and sexual repression on stage. As <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've seen, I've seen. Yeah. But um, I, th I, I think it, it seems like for you, it seems like it's more about a um, connection than it is more. Oh, than, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like not to be conceited, but I know that I could just, you know. Yeah go on my phone, find someone within a certain amount of kilometers and do what I need to do and just get it over and done with and be back home for supper. But I don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, I want somebody that knows, you know, what the B stands for in my name. Like, that's what I need. Like, I need someone to be like, disrespect me, but then also respect me after. Okay. Okay. I, I live for those subdom vibes. Um... Yeah. Uh, like you know let's go out to eat then we you know let's eat out then we eat out yeah yeah again like, yeah. i mean like very loud so like help out eat out here help out to eat yeah, out to help out to eat out to eat me out to take me out yeah to... all of the outs yeah i'm coming out. Out. Out, out shake it all about very yeah. <laughs> speaking of shaking it all about we need to uh, shake it all about because we have finished it is the end of the show <laughs> oh my god uh thank you so much raheem it was an absolute pleasure to have you on um uh, i will do the outro now because that's how i do it because i am professional ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of no genders guys gals and non-binary pals that was driving you homo the radio show podcast youtube extravaganza where we delve into everything within the queer sphere that you need to hear as always i'm wayne carter you can follow me at one wayne carter you can also follow driving you homo at driving you homo if you don't know where to access these videos slash audio go to drivingyouhomo.com and you can find all of the information don't forget to like favorite rate and subscribe and you can also follow our guests this week which is Raheem, and they are on Raheem Mir. So it's R-A-H-E-E-M-M-I-R. -E -E Follow them on social media and make sure that you comment and say how beautiful they are. And if you're attractive and like the look of their face, maybe you could form a romantic engagement with them. That would be great. Let me know. <laughs> I'm, I'm five foot ten. I'm a cancerian with Capricorn. I mean, <laughs> I have really nice hair. I mean, you I have really nice skills. hair. Schwarzkopf uh, is looking for you, babe. I like domestic. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh no! The um, the internet is cutting out. I've lost all of that content. I'm screaming! <laughs> Cut this off, Wayne Carter, please. Okay, so say goodbye, Raheem. Goodbye, Raheem. Oh.